Welcome to your Active Stack Brief Podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week, we take a closer look at the metaverse with a competition perspective. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is your Active Stack Brief Podcast. Today I'm joined by Frederick Wenzel-Bulst, Head of Unit for DigiComp on Media Antitrust Cases, and by Sophie De Vink, Case Handler on Media Antitrust Cases at DigiComp. Hello both. Hello, Luca. Thanks for having us today. Hello. My pleasure. Um, and I should say uh, before we start that um, you are here speaking on a personal capacity and that you don't uh, represent the European Commission in this instance. Um, so it's great to have you here because you have been um, conducting a study on the metaverse and what competition policy will look like. Um, so what were the main uh, results of your study? Right. Yes. I mean, the, the metaverse is a very, a very topical um, subject, subject matter. Maybe I would rather speak of, of reflections than, than of a study, as there's currently no specific competition-related action, such as um, you know, a full-blown study or inquiry by the Commission in relation to the metaverse. But that terminological issue aside, um, horizon scanning is very much part of our work. Um, so it's part of our work to monitor market developments, to understand trends and areas of potential future concern. And as such, um, metaverse developments are on our radar. Um, that said, as you've just mentioned, uh, what we're telling you here um, is, is, is not an official position and we're only stating our, our personal views. The main results of our reflections are really the the following. I mean, the, the metaverse itself is a complex of different things, and there's still quite a few question marks um, on its nature and scope. In fact, probably more, more questions than answers at this stage. Um, but as its scale and is potentially all-encompassing, uh, we see a lot of interest already on the business front, and, and there the objective seems to be to secure a presence um, in one's own corner of the metaverse, or in some cases, to have their metaverse be the game changer in terms of user adoption. And as companies um, start outlining their, their plans for the metaverse, it re remains to be seen which business model, um, which monetization strategies could become prevalent. What seems quite likely is that we can expect some revenue generation from the sale of headsets and other hardware, um, but that the main monetization strategies are likely to center around e-commerce, um, advertising, and other digital services. Maybe, Sophie, do you want to say something on the more competition-specific points? Yes, uh, thanks, Wenzel. So in the context of our reflections on, on the metaverse, we, of course, as uh, Competition law enforcers uh, also looked at, at what the nature of competition for an in the metaverse could be, um, where again um, there is still a lot of, of uncertainty um, on the this will, and and in fact what we see is that the nature of competition would likely depend on how metaverse platforms, one or more, and their applications will be structured and how um, they will interoperate. But on a preliminary level. Um, we see on the one hand 
you know, that uh, one can imagine the metaverse as an open competitive environment uh, organized on the basis of multiple interoperable worlds between which users um, can easily move virtual goods and services in a secure way. But on the other hand, um, there might also be some risks, um, some risks um, that we've also seen in the past. Um, I will maybe uh, name, name three in particular. The first one is that there is a risk of, of large metaverse platforms operating as, as closed ecosystems and uh, forming the formation of gatekeepers. Um, consumers could end up being locked in such a closed system and the future gatekeepers would then control access uh, to a metaverse and its users, which is quite similar to the developments uh, that we observed in a number of core platform services that are um, identified in, in, in the recent Digital Markets Act. Uh, secondly, um, we also see that metaverse markets um, may be characterized by, by strong network effects and as such be prone uh, to tipping. Um, and this uh, obviously would make the entry of new businesses into the market or the expansion of existing businesses uh, more difficult. And if a gatekeeper um, is compiling user data, such reinforcing its market power inside and outside the metaverse market, um, such tipping uh, could be further uh, reinforced. Then, then finally, um, we can also already think of, of a number of ways in which uh, potential dominant companies uh, could abuse a dominant position in one or more uh, metaverses. Um, on the one hand, um, they could exclude other players, for instance. Um, for example, through a tying conduct, uh, when a metaverse gatekeeper pushes users uh, to adopt certain services or products uh, by bundling them with must-have metaverse hardware or software. And on the other hand, um, we can also think of a certain potential exploitative uh, conduct by gatekeepers in the metaverse, such as um, raising exorbitant, uh, charging exorbitant prices for accessing the metaverse uh, or parts of it. I mean, everything that uh, you have mentioned exists already. The network effects, the gatekeepers, the so-called uh, wallet garden. And I mean, I, uh, I have the impression that we are at a, such an early stage of the technology that uh, you, you could basically say something about every um, regulatory field in the metaverse. Uh, so in terms of data protection, and then you have competition policy, and then you have aid speech. So what, what I think it's uh, perhaps important to stress now is what will be different from what we have seen in the past? Um, will there be new trends? Will there be, uh, you know, exact, uh, will the metaverse exacerbate uh, current trends? I think that's a that, that's a that's a great question. Um, but um, for for the reasons you um, you mentioned, it's probably it's probably too early um, to tell. I think what's a what's a source of um, of comfort is that in order to tackle um, possible metaverse related competition challenges, the European Commission and also the national um, competition authorities in in the union's member states already dispose of, of many well-tested tools within traditional competition law enforcement. And as you say, a number of the points um, mentioned uh, sound, sound familiar from, from other tech markets. 
and our antitrust enforcement, but also our our merger control rules are both technology neutral and 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 quite versatile. So successfully applying those competition rules to the metaverse um, will will contribute to ensuring that both existing and emerging markets, whatever their their final shape or form, whatever the the prevalent business models and monetization strategies, um, should function well for for businesses and consumers alike. And importantly, beyond competition law, beyond those tools, I've I've just um, been referring to, we already have an additional tool um, to tackle potential problems, um, and that is the the Digital Markets Act or or short DMA, um, which is just entered into force and. It provides tools to to foster contestability, also in the metaverse, should it be at risk. And that's so either because relevant uh, services are already within the scope of the DMA or because there are provisions um, that ensure the future proofing of the act. But as you've said, um, competition, even though very close to our hearts, um, isn't, uh, isn't everything. No, indeed. Uh, maybe what uh, I can still add to that is that, of course, our our reflections are focused on the competition law side of things, um, but that other regulatory instruments can also and will also play a, an important role to tackle other potential challenges surrounding the metaverse. Um, for example, in relation to data protection, privacy, um, to intellectual property, or you know, last but not least, maybe in uh, relation to users' safety in the metaverse, and uh, in, in order to make sure that their fundamental rights are protected. Right. Well, um, if you will uh, indulge me, maybe there is a trend that um, the metaverse could exacerbate, which is the fact that, you know, in in the digital sphere, um, usually uh, regulators came come in um, years later, uh, where sometimes the damage is already done, and um, I understand that was precisely the purpose of the DMA to have exante rules that avoid, um, you know, picking up the pieces year later in court. Um, but so how well equipped is the DMA or even traditional antitrust um, uh, rules to deal with the metaverse? And do you think that we will need to uh, update uh, the regulatory framework at a later stage. As Vance uh, already mentioned, we we have quite a, a number of well-tested tools um, within traditional competition law enforcement, and we have this additional uh, ex-ante tool of the Digital Markets Act, um, which makes us feel like we're we're well equipped to tackle um, also future challenges. Um, at the same time, um, there are, of course, many uncertainties still about the metaverse, which I think is one of our main conclusions. So um, we also don't have a crystal ball in terms of uh, what at some point uh, could be needed. But what is um, really good is that certain um, metaverse services or products that would not fall within the DMA scope uh, could be added um, on the basis of the, of the provisions of the DMA for for future proofing. Could you could you tell us which one will be? What we have uh, right now is is a good instrument um, with a list of core platform services, some of which may uh, already be of relevance uh, for the metaverse. And uh, what I meant to say is that um, if 
as the metaverse or multiple metaverses further develop and there would be additional core platform services that really at this stage we could not have anticipated that then even then we have um, some provisions that would allow to to modify our uh, our regulatory uh, framework let's say so obviously that is that is too forward looking for me to already identify what that would be i think at the current stage we have uh, quite uh, quite a good uh, basis right so i guess um the best way to approach it would be to look at what went wrong in the past uh, so Wenzel, what, what is it in your view that we should, uh, what are the pitfalls that we should avoid uh, repeating uh, when dealing with the metaverse? One of the specificities um, of, of competition um, law is that it's very, um, it's very, it's very fact driven. No? We assess, um, we assess each case um, on its merit. Um, and we proceed on a um, on a case by uh, by case basis. Um, obviously, we have uh, in in recent years um, gathered some some enforcement uh, experience in in, in digital uh, markets, and we've come across some uh, some systemic issues. And those learnings uh, have very much fed into the into the DMA. So I think. Um, we are presently um, in a different spot uh, than we were um, some some years ago when um, this Exante framework for digital markets didn't exist yet. Um, I think what what is likely to to remain um, important for for antitrust um, enforcement and Sophie when when referring uh, to to market tipping has. Um, has made that point uh, also for the uh, for the metaverse is that the the timing of interventions um, can can be crucial. Uh, intervention should neither come uh, too late uh, nor um, uh, nor should it come too early. Um, and and I would think uh, that that the metaverse um, should it gain traction is unlikely to be an exception to that rule. Sophie De Vink is case handler on media antitrust cases at DigiComp. Frederick Wenzel Booth is head of unit for DigiComp on media antitrust cases. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you very much, Luca. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy development in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Yavi Curie. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi, and thank you for listening. <laughs>